I'm Lizzie Cooperman, and I pray to find my mascara, which I have reason to believe rolled under my oven. We're JC and Jess, and this is Pray For Us, a podcast about practicing an ancient religion in the modern day. We're talking about how we observe Judaism when it comes to holidays, relationships, food, and everything in between. Today, we're talking to Lizzie Cooperman. Lizzie is a comedian, actor, and writer whose work has been featured on Not Safe with Nikki Glaser, The Eric Andre Show, Crashing, and Lights Out with David Spade. When was the last time you left the house and why? I, what did I do? I'm like, I went downstairs. Well, the day (laughs) of the earthquake and following the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, that was the craziest, worst. I was just like, I'm sitting here waiting for AAA under a smoke-filled sky. My heart was like dropped like an anchor over RBG. You infamously love RBG. I know. I Here's another thing. I'm on Cameo. And one of my things is I do Ruth Bader Ginsburg tarot readings. I had one request in there for an RBG tarot reading that someone requested right before she died. Oh no. What was the reading? I'm scared. Well, the thing is, I'm like, do you still want this? Oh. <laughs> I Can think you reach out and would... ask? It feels disrespectful. Now they have like a thing where you can message people. Okay. I would think that you would get like an influx of requests of people wanting you to like keep her memory alive. It felt, I I honestly tried to kind of go into the character and then I was like, it just felt wrong. It feels like wrong to imitate someone in a silly way right after they Mm -hmm. passed. I don't know what other way I'd imitate it. <laughs> <laughs> Imitating her in a very would, respectful way. Normally, I just read the Constitution as Americans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I was really hit hard by it. Obviously, it's so weird to me when when I mean Trump. Nothing he says makes sense at all. But he goes, whether you agree with her or not, it's like what do you? What is there to not agree with? Women having credit cards? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> I don't agree that I should be able to buy a home. You're right. <laughs> you win, Trump. Congratulations. I mean, I guess like Roe v. Wade and stuff. I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm upset over all of it. As, uh, as we all are. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. There was actually a beautiful quote that Jess and I both found on the social media, um, mm-hmm. which, I'll, which I'll give a read. According to Jewish tradition, a person who dies on Rosh Hashanah, which began tonight, obviously not tonight, is a tzaddik, tzaddik, a person of great righteousness. Uh, And Ruth Franklin said that. So God bless Ruth. Both Ruth. Do you guys, did that give anyone peace of mind or comfort? Because it didn't for me. (laughs) (laughs) Like, yeah. What does it mean really for us? I mean, for me personally... It's just like a nice sentiment that I could reflect on and smile for like five seconds, but that's about it. It is interesting because I last night had my very last Kabbalah class. I've been taking Kabbalah. I 
love it. Where do you go? It's online with the Kabbalah Center and it's like pay what you can afford. And it was 10 class, level one was 10 classes. The instructor's amazing. His name is David Guillaume, G-H-I-Y-A-M. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. It's enlightening every week. And I was thinking about Kabbalah. And so I looked up like the meaning of Rosh Hashanah. I just, every year, I feel like I have to re-educate myself on whatever holiday. Right. (laughs) I come to it, I'm like, I have no clue. I've completely forgotten. (laughs) I've never celebrated it before. But anyway, so I've been on this big, in this Kabbalah mindset, Kabbalistic mindset. So I looked up another video, another Kabbalah video online about Rosh Hashanah. And it talked about how Rosh is the head. Mm -hmm. And so it's, you know, the head of the year, but how it was interesting how the head informs the body. Mm. So it's like how the head of the year informs the rest of the year. That makes sense. Yeah. It was really interesting because a lot of Kabbalah and I'm only a level one. (laughs) (laughs) Very informed for a level one. Here's something crazy. I shouldn't even be telling you this because there is something in Kabbalah that I am, I am breaking a rule of Kabbalah by telling you this. Are you familiar with the term bread of shame? No. No. It's I mean, I know bread is shameful because like <laughs> gluten and carbs and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were about to say something like real and insightful for oh, some no. <laughs> Dave's killer bread of shame. (laughs) In Kabbalah, bread of shame is when the light that you give does not, and I'm not saying this is a situation, uh, I'll explain it further, but the light that you give does not fit the vessel and that someone didn't ask you to learn something and you're kind of pushing your knowledge on them. Like, you know, when someone goes, you have to read this book, it's going to change your life. You have to. Sometimes there's a resistance. Okay, yeah, I'll read it. Okay, great. Yes, uh, I will definitely watch that series. Or, or if someone gives you a gift, like have you ever dated someone who just lays it on so thick? Like, nope, <laughs> <laughs> can't relate. <laughs> That's some people's love language, though, is right. gifts. Just like gifting items and hoping that that relinquishes them of any other like responsibility or bad things that they've done. Just, we have to flag love language, love language follow up because I have to tell you something that will blow your mind. Oh God, I'm scared. <laughs> Should I just tell you now and then go back to God of shame? Yes. yes. <laughs> this is not going to blow your mind, but I think I'm in that book. Really? What? I'm one of the, okay. So I was working at a soap store so long ago. In, it was called Splash. I'm sure it's closed now <laughs> because we made the cucumber mask. And I know that because I was super broke and one time I ate it. And the guy came into the store. I'm like, and as I wiped the green slime off my hand, <laughs> but the guy who wrote that book, I didn't realize it was him. And he came into the store and I had just gone through a breakup we just got to talking. Like he was just the nicest person. And he was like, what time are you done with work? He was like, I'm writing a book. 
about love languages and I would love to take you to coffee and ask you some questions and interview you. I won't use your name or anything. And I fully went to coffee with this guy. He wrote everything down. I don't know if he, I've never read the book, but I recently realized that. So I was like, why does this feel so familiar to me? And then it clicked. Splash, Santa Monica, selling bath bombs. And then that author walked in. What a small <laughs> world. For those who, I haven't read the book either, okay. but I have read like articles and I've heard of the concept. But for those of you who don't know, there are like seven love languages and it's basically how you give and receive love. So acts of service, quality time, uh, I think like communication. I gifts. don't know what the other ones are. Yeah, gifts. Do you know Touch. what you're sure? I took a I quiz think, and mine, oh, was yeah, act, mine was definitely acts of service, um, which checks out. I love when my boyfriend like walks the dog so I don't have to, things like that. Um, but I didn't do much further research. I was just like, oh, that checks out. That's good. That makes sense. <laughs> Mine is quality time. Lizzie? What's yours? I am also acts of service. Mm. I think, I mean, obviously for us, it makes the most sense, but I, I feel like yeah. that's the best. I also feel like I could be all of them. Like, can't you have all seven things? I like, don't. Who doesn't want all of the seven, like... Mm options. I don't love excessive praise. Like I like being complimented and stuff. If someone's like, you look great. That's all it takes. I don't need them. Mm-hmm. And you don't understand. You are the most. Important. It's like, I don't want you to lie to me. Like, I just want to like feel good and move on. How long have you been in LA? I've been here, I think since 06. Okay. And where yeah. are you from originally? I am from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Let's dig in. How? <laughs> I moved here from New York. I lived in New York for a couple of years. I'm from I'm from New York, as you may know. I do remember. I also remember once on your Instagram being like, "You are living the what was something happened like you were at some pool and I was like, JC has the best life." Well, it was a picture of me like in LA, but I was being a dick and I was like, "Had the best time in the Hamptons" <laughs> because I was using like the uh, pink flamingo float that like every asshole in the Hamptons has. And honestly, I'm just jealous of people in the Hamptons. And then Lizzie was like, oh my God, have the best time in the Hamptons. And I was like, nah, I wish. <laughs> okay, let's hear about growing up there. What was that like? Yeah, do you have any siblings? Were you like pretty religious growing up? Not religious at all? Yeah, I have three older sisters. My family was reformed. And we did go to synagogue, not very often, but I went to Hebrew school. I had a bat mitzvah and my three older sisters were all confirmed. And I begged my mom. And I remember going, do you really want to pay for this? I, like, <laughs> I, my argument. I go, I don't even, I don't pay attention. I cry because I didn't, I had one friend or something at Hebrew school and she wasn't getting confirmed. So I just kind of dropped out after my bat mitzvah. Yeah. Also, one time, I think in fourth or fifth grade, I just remember this recently, I got sent home from Hebrew school for wearing a Spuds McKenzie sweatshirt. Why did you get sent home? Are you familiar with Spuds McKenzie? No. No. Okay. <laughs> I had a feeling I'm like, you guys are so young. Okay. Oh, yeah. Spuds McKenzie was the ultimate party animal, was the moniker. Is that what a mon- moniker is? Yeah. Yeah. 
for Budweiser. And it was a dirty <laughs> hat. Have you seen this dog yes. ever? Yes. Now that you mentioned, like, explain it, I know exactly what you're talking okay. about. Buds McKenzie. I, someone gave me a sweatshirt. I wore it. And they were like, you're wearing a beer sweatshirt in a religious establishment. And it was so embarrassing. That's, That's so, so lame. I, I know. We're always told to drink on Jewish holidays. So I feel like it's sort of on brand to wear a sweatshirt. But like, are we told to underage drink on Jewish holidays? Not really. <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like it's not that big a deal. But this is why I'm not a Hebrew school teacher. Right. I mean, maybe looking back at it, like it's probably inappropriate, but I don't think it was worth like the embarrassment of being like, you have to leave, you know? Also, like that's just cutting into your own education. Like maybe they could just say, don't wear that next time. Right. Right. Were there a lot of Jewish kids where you grew up or were you like one of a few? On my block, there was another Jewish family that lived behind me. It's not like the thing is, I didn't grow up in like middle of nowhere, Minnesota. Yeah. You know, I lived mm-hmm. closer to the city of Minneapolis where there are Jewish people. Um, there's a neighborhood called St. Louis Park that has a lot, like a large Jewish population. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't like it's this rare thing. But I know that for a lot of people in my city, high school was the place where they really started to meet other Jewish people. Was you know? your high school pretty Jewish or no? The thing is like, it. I feel like the Jews had a presence at my yeah. high school for sure. Like there were groups of friends who were all Jewish and I was like kind of peripherally in that friend group. That was gotcha. actually the same with me. Like my immediate friend group wasn't Jewish, but then I like had some Jews on the side, like just in case. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had like one or two Jewish friends at my high school and then everyone else who I knew that was Jewish was from like Hebrew school or Hebrew high or confirmation or whatever. But I wasn't that close with them. Jess, where did you grow up? I'm from Phoenix, Arizona. The only Phoenix. (laughs) 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 There are a lot of, there's like a pretty good Jewish population there, but not really in the neighborhoods that I grew up in or people just weren't like super religious. So right. I, I don't know. It wasn't, I imagine that Minneapolis is a lot more Jewish and definitely yeah. New York. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I never felt like, oh, I'm the only Jew. I mean, there were people who, who told, I remember being told you're my first Jewish friend by people, but I can't like trace it, you know, like maybe, I don't know. I did like summer stock one year and I remember people being like, you're Jewish. Like when I did theater in Wisconsin or whatever. Yeah. Is Is there one moment that you could point out or like, was anyone ever so shocked or like rude to you because of it? One thing I remember, this might be not at all the answer to your question, but when I would go to the store with my mom around the holidays and people said, Merry Christmas, I would say, thank you. And my mom would go, tell, tell them. And I go, I'm Jewish. And they would say, well, then happy holidays. Like either holidays or Hanukkah was like, they couldn't tell when they said ha, what they were going to end it with. But my mom always encouraged me to tell people I was Jewish. And I liked that. Mine too. I, 
I had one teacher in third grade, Miss Fitzgerald, who gave out gifts to the entire class. And it was like the same book. Every kid got the same book, but it was wrapped in a different wrapping paper based on your religion. And she gave me Santa wrapping and I brought it home and I like told my mom that some kids got Hanukkah wrapping and I got Santa wrapping, obviously, because my last name is Nacarella. You would assume I'm not Jewish. And my mom made me go back the next day and be like, I'm Jewish to the teacher. And I was, I don't know why I was so embarrassed about it because it's not embarrassing. But at the time, I remember being like, do I have to go in and tell her? Like, that's interesting. But- Almost like shaming the teacher. Like, how could you not? <laughs> I think, it's, I do think that when you're young, it's good to be proud of who you are, to learn to be proud of who you are and where you come from. Totally. So that you can see when other people are, you know, displaying like prejudice that you feel rooted in it, you know, right? Yeah. And where you come from. And if you don't tell someone you're Jewish, they probably aren't going to know. As a little kid, it feels like such a big deal. And you feel like, oh God, like I don't want to make this other person feel uncomfortable by telling them that they messed up because I don't celebrate this holiday or they did something that's not in line with my religion. But for the other person, they're probably like, oh, thank you for telling me. Like, I didn't realize. And it's no big deal. I do remember, though, when I was little at school, for some reason, the PE teacher, like, wrote on, like, numbers or something on our hands, like, for some relay. And when our mom picked us up from school, I told her sisters. My mom was like, what is that number? Like, what is that writing on your hand? And we're like, oh, it's for PE. And my mom was, like, was really upset about it and was like, you know, Jewish people and ink on their hands or arms is like historically not a great combo. So she was like, we don't do that. Like, and I think she like called the PE teacher and I was so embarrassed. I was like, chill. But I get why she's upset. I remember my mom having similar feelings about things like that. And when I see people sometimes with tattoos on their Mm -hmm. stuff, I think about that. Like it it feels like you don't have one. Do you, JC? No. (laughs) She's like, so anyway, she has two sleeves. <laughs> but she pulls her sleeves down. <laughs> Just so barcodes anyway. and numbers. <laughs> no, I don't have any. Lizzie, you don't have any, right? I don't have any tattoos, no. Don't yeah. you? I don't have any. What? I mean... Yeah, Lizzie, what are your thoughts on... I mean, you were just saying them and I rudely cut you off, but I do want to hear your thoughts on tattoos and how like literally everyone in LA has one. Right. I have never thought of, I've never had an idea of something I would want so badly on my body. Even things I write down on note cards that seem so important to me at the time, I throw in the trash the next day. So I will say the closest I ever got to getting one was this year or last year. I'm like, when the world was still open and you could go places. It was my birthday and there was like a tattoo truck. My friends and I went to dinner and I had just been to Ojai and there was like a moment where I I went there by myself and there was a moment where I was just sitting there and all these bells started ringing and I had like an epiphany. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, I want to get a bell. A bell, not even like a giant, you know, 3D one, just like a cool, like simple outline of a bell. To remind me of the thing that I thought of when I heard the bells. But the tattoo truck was closing down and also did not seem to be terribly sanitary. I think that was for the best. 
Yeah. I think so too. I think so too. Something about getting a tattoo like in the back of a truck, even if it's like a big truck, feels like not a good idea. Right. Also the idea that when people asked me about the bell, I had to, I'd have to be like, well, I heard bells one day so high. Like the idea that I would have to tell that story of that moment, it would also like detract from the importance. Definitely. Like, you're touch mm-hmm. personal meaning, then you have to blurt it out to everyone else. It's going to lose some meaning. That's kind of how I feel about it. And again, I don't have any, but when people have something so personal on them, their options are A, like spill the beans to anyone who asks or B, mm-hmm. seem rude when they say like, oh, I don't want to share that information with you. <laughs> so kind right. of a lose-lose in my opinion. Right. I do feel like there are two types of people. Those who ask others what their tattoos mean and other people who are just like not asking, just letting it be. Like, that's so awkward. What if it's, I don't know, something you don't want to talk about. But I guess you take on that responsibility when you get a no, tattoo. that's not fair. To, they, if you get a tattoo, you have to say what it means because <laughs> that's like bringing up a topic and then saying, but I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> You're literally showing us what to talk about. Yeah, oh, that's a good point. Oh, that owl on your shoulder. What's that about? It's personal. I can't explain. Out of the ordinary and I'm not allowed to touch on it. So many people now, youngsters, if you will, get tattoos just because they look cool. And it's so awkward when you ask like, oh, what does that mean? Or that looks so cool. And they're like, thanks. That's why I got it. And you're like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) My high school, the the most popular tattoo, tattoo in my high school was a dolphin. Everyone was so into dolphins. And in Minneapolis? I, yes, I know. I'm like, have you <laughs> ever seen one? <laughs> a year where everyone wanted to be a marine biologist. Like, I feel I like I wanted to be a marine biologist. <laughs> I feel like it's a phase everyone goes through. I was like, I think I want to be a marine. You just hear it and you're like, underwater? You know, you don't really realize. You'd be in a lab or smell like fish. I don't even know what they do. I don't know what they do either. I have no idea. Do they like work in aquariums? I, I think they work in and around water. That's it. That's I'm glad we all did not choose that career path. We'd actually be really in a good place right now. So we'd be outside working. <laughs> is True. There, is there any marine life left though? Like in these, in these days, I have no idea. I don't know. That's a good question between all the environmental damage we'd be doing up here. Going back to the tattoo thing and then the Kabbalah thing, do you feel like part of you didn't get a tattoo because you're Jewish and that's kind of frowned upon? Yes. There are a lot of things that I think were dictated by the fact that I, like even in a subliminal way, like not eating pork. I've never had ham in my life. Wow. Wow. That I know of. Um, Are you a vegetarian or vegan? Well, I'm pescatarian. Oh, okay. Um, Fish, right? Of course. Yeah, it's weird because I kind of broke it. But in quarantine, like I'm afraid to cook meat. So that's kind of my default. (laughs) I'm always afraid I'm not going to cook the middle of things. I actually, I have that same fear. And I usually fuck up and then like wind up 
spitting things out and it's disgusting. So good on you for not even attempting. Have you ever had brisket? Yes. Brisket. I don't eat red meat anymore, but brisket is so good. That's like the one thing I would break it for. Yeah. I loved it. I remember loving it. Are you, do you guys keep kosher at all? No. I don't keep kosher at all, but I do not eat shrimp. Not because it has anything to do with Judaism. I just think it's disgusting. But sometimes I like attribute it to the fact that like it's a bottom feeder and that's why I think it's Mm -hmm. disgusting. Um, But no, I I don't keep kosher at all. I like shrimp cocktail. Yeah, so good. Shrimp tacos. (laughs) (laughs) Popcorn shrimp from Cheesecake Factory. So delish. Really? Oh my God. Yeah. If you have a refined palate like me, (laughs) I was just going to say there's so many things subconsciously that I probably don't do or eat because I'm Jewish and it's just something I didn't grow up with. Right. You would agree with that? Yeah. I mean, I, I remember eating pizza when I was little that I didn't know was Canadian bacon, like at a birthday party. And it was such a like, I was like, this is bacon. Like I was <laughs> it's so dramatic about it. I'm like, I'm not supposed to have that. Like you don't really know what's going to happen if you eat it. Yeah. Like it's- no one had ever told me what the consequence was. So I was like, am I going to be okay? Like, I didn't know, like if a Jewish person eats bacon, is there some kind of biblical storm coming? <laughs> Did you grow up fully kosher or you just grew up with like the kosher tropes? kosher trip. Like my mom, we didn't keep separate. Uh, we didn't keep separate plates. We did eat cheeseburgers, mm-hmm. but then it was like, oh, don't drink milk if you're having. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Okay. One time I made a Greek salad for like a family dinner and I brought it and my mom said, we can't eat it because we're having like meat or something. And I was like, are you serious? I was so like, I spent so much time and it was also my first adult thing that I'd ever made. Like I bought a salad bowl so I could bring it. (laughs) Crushing. (laughs) It was crushing. So your mom like picked and shoot, like picked and chose what was kosher and what wasn't. I guess we can eat around it. You know, it was just like, that's a whole other thing. Yeah. I remember once my family like brought in chicken wings, like buffalo wings, and I had a friend come over for dinner and she asked for a glass of milk. And my mom like basically was like so appalled to the point where she like made it made it apparent that she was appalled that my friend was like, never mind, I don't want that anymore. <laughs> Say chicken and milk is a weird I mean, it's gross. Yeah. She was obviously not too. That's not the same animal either. No, but I get confused about like, we can mix cream cheese and lox. So that's animal and dairy. Oh yeah. I never thought about that. But it's two things from one animal. That's why. Oh. Is that you're not supposed to eat, you like don't eat an omelet that has chicken in it and don't eat a hamburger that has cheese on it because that's from the same animal. It's like something about bathing the baby in In the blood of the mother. Yeah. That was so smart. Tor translations by Jess. <laughs> um, I want to go back to Kabbalah just because I feel like we kind of like slid over that. Yeah, that was my fault. Bread, I have to tell you more about bread of shame. Yes, that's what I was. Yes, please. 
So, oh, but when someone gives you a gift, like, or say uh, there's a kid whose parents are rich, and so the parents give them everything. They don't have to work for anything. It's not going to make the kid, like, there's, there's a problem because then the child doesn't feel like they've earned it. People like mm-hmm. to feel like they've earned it. Um, and that what you're giving matches the vessel. It's like, I think there, there's something about how the big, like there's something about the Big Bang Theory in Kabbalah that I wish I could just like press play and have this like readily available, but how everything, how the universe kind of began like as an explosion because it wasn't able to handle the light. Like it just went like, and blew into all these pieces. It's like, don't, yeah. And I'm so guilty of this. I give bread of shame all the time of like, well, then you should do this. Well, then break up with them. You know, people Mm -hmm. can't, won't take what they're not built to take. Right. And you You have to, yes. I was just going to say to come to those things on your own, which you just said, but (laughs) I'm agreeing with you. (laughs) But, But weirdly, there's part of it where it's like giving bread of shame is, a little, in my opinion, a little selfish. Sometimes if someone comes to me with a problem, they do want help and, and you can help them and talk through it. Most of the time people don't. Right. Mm-hmm. I had a friend in college, Yael, if you're listening, hey, who I always think of her when people talk about stuff like that because she was like venting about something one day And she was just said outright, she's like, I don't need like you to tell me a solution or to tell me how to fix it. I just need to get it out of my system and tell you. And I was like, oh, okay. Like that makes sense. Sometimes you just have to get things off your chest. And then maybe when you're ready on your own time, then you're going to look for solutions and you're going to maybe ask for feedback. It's like, you just want support. Like being like, I have to tell you what just happened. This is so crazy. But then another part of it is if I am in that place where I'm the one freaking out about something, what you're actually supposed to do, see all of this, what I'm telling you is bread of shame. And that's why this is so bad. But I'm just going to assume that in some way, someone out there is, this is going to resonate with. Um, if you are in a place where you're being reactive, like, Say I get in an argument with a friend, we hang up and I'm like, oh, I'm just going to fire off an angry email or something. Instead of doing that, it says pause and say what a pleasure. Even if it's the worst thing, if, if you find out you had cancer, you pause and say what a pleasure they found it, that we made this discovery. It could have been we never didn't even find it. Pause and say, what a pleasure. And then you come from that place. It's all about perspective. It's, well, it is, but it's also about showing God your gratitude because I am, this is like the most carb heavy bread of shame. I I should work. We're asking for the bread. It's not shameful if we're like begging for it. 
<laughs> it's about the gratitude that you're showing God. And even if you don't believe it, um, by the way, Kabbalah Center, the Kabbalah Center, David Guillaume. Excellent. I recommend it. I just want to say that because I learned this all from him and I want to give credit. Absolutely. When yeah, you, thank you, David. Thank you, David. He's just an amazing teacher. Um, and sorry, I'm thinking about something hilarious. He said yesterday when these girls raised their hand, they were like, they literally looked like a two-headed monster, but like a hot one. <laughs> they were these two Jewish girls with long brown hair. And they were like, so we're, I'm ready to give love. And so is my sister. We can't find guys. I was so <laughs> Welcome to LA, bitches. <laughs> and, and he goes, well, why do you want to find, he goes, well, he asked their astrological signs as well. And he said, and how old are you? And they were like, I'm 29, I'm 33. And he said, okay, well, why do you want to find love? Well, you know, sorry, I'm making these, I'm, do it. We're here for it. It's been a caricatures, but it was absurd. I'm telling you, I love women. These ones were charactery. Okay. So <laughs> they're just like, they had the longest, thickest brown curly hair. And literally there was no distinction between their arms. Like it looked like they could be wearing like a two headed tank top or something. So they, he goes, well, why do you want to find love? Well, we just, ha I have so much love to give. Like it's time for me to find my soulmate so I can get, and he goes, she goes, so I can give this love. And he goes, how noble of you. How noble of you. <laughs> Sarcastically. And I was like, this is so funny. And he goes, look, he's like, Mar getting married is the last thing you should do. The last thing you should do. Do everything you want before. He's like, marriage is going to make it harder. He goes, people think marriage makes it easier. Marriage brings out all your problems. Mm -hmm. That's what marriage is. Wow. And yeah, it was, it was pretty incredible. And he goes, so why don't you take that love and give it to someone who needs it? Go help someone. Um, spend time with an elderly person who you've been neglecting or, you know, find other places to give your love if it's not showing up for you. It's just like we, we push things so hard in our lives from this weird place of lack that we just create, I think. <laughs> I'm literally a Kabbalah <laughs> rabbi right now. I love it. I, we love I don't it think so we've talked much. to anyone who's been into Kabbalah yet. We've like danced around it. I don't know a ton about it, but I this is great. It is transformative. I know there's a lot of stuff around it where it's like, oh, People think it's a cult and I know it's crazy saying, I swear it's not a cult when like I'm in it, <laughs> but <laughs> I have never been happier to be, if it is a cult, I've never been happier to be a part of one. Truly. That's what they say in uh, Nexium, but I, I, I do know that Kabbalah is not a cult, so <laughs> we're good. <laughs> well, there is, if there's logic to it in decoding um, Hebrew, for example, the name Adam, you know, it's Aleph, mm -hmm. the letter. Aleph and then Dom, which means blood. So it's the first letter of the alphabet and then blood. If you put that together, it's first blood. Oh, very literal. Cool. Yes. yes. That's just like a little taste of it of like how everything can kind of be taken apart. It's like it's like unlocking magic within this text. How did That's you so cool. come to find Kabbalah? So I my mom was 
um, she passed away in 2013, but she had taken a couple of classes and she told me that actually. And she also told me that she said something about, you know, when you're upset and you feel that vibration that you're like, oh, like you oh, can't. Yes. Yeah. Like it, it comes over you. That in the beginning, the angels told God not to create humans. They said, human beings will only disappoint you. Do not do it. And God created humans and there was pain. And any time that we feel that, it's like that rumbling in the heavens of like, you don't do this. Don't put humans on earth. Like, you know, God felt the consequences of having created these flawed beings and that kind of reverberates when you're having like conflicts or mm -hmm. something wrong or fighting and stuff like that when you hurt other people. So have you been practicing or learning about Kabbalah for a long time then, or is this just like a quarantine uh, curiosity? Actually, I went with our friend Chase Bernstein a couple of years ago. I said, Do you, would you want to go to the Kabbalah Center with me? And we went, and I have another friend. Do you know comedian Benji Aflalo? Yeah. Yes. He's gone to it before as well, or at least watched this guy's videos. So, so David was speaking that night. It was like a special night that we ended up going. And I remember leaving thinking, I want to go back. I don't remember what he said that night, but I was like, wow, this is really helping me. And I love, I love astrology. And so the fact that Kabbalah is kind of broken up into like different weeks and the energy that different weeks hold just really like, it's like they're playing directly to me. <laughs> I love I it. Sort of, I have a sort of a strange question. Sure. So Kabbalah, correct me if I'm wrong, is Jewish mysticism, right? Yes. I think so. The reason I say I think so is first of all, I'm still learning. It is mysticism, but the way that I would describe it for me after having experienced it is deeper and more connected Judaism. Well, my next question was going to be, do you have to be Jewish to practice Kabbalah? No. Right. That's crazy. I mean, not crazy. I'm here for it, but you wouldn't maybe assume that at first. Well, actually, I don't know if there is a rule about that. But okay. I will say my class is very diverse and I doubt everyone because we all turned our cameras on at the very end <laughs> of the last class. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, you know, and there were a lot of senior citizens in it, which I loved. Mm -hmm. And you got to see everybody. And it was like, yeah, people with, you know, not last names that clearly weren't Jewish, right. you know. Mm -hmm. sure. Probably like if you dip your toe in it, you don't really have to be Jewish, but I assume as it gets more intense, right, or, or maybe more like Orthodox. Also, like, yeah, I know I've mentioned it before, but I think a lot of people who convert wind up being more curious and more religious than those mm -hmm. who are born into Judaism. So I think maybe a lot of converts kind of go down the Kabbalah route because um, it's just not—I want to say easier to understand, but it's maybe more fun <laughs> to understand, and there's yeah. a lot more like mysticism and logic behind a lot of the stuff that you learn, which potentially makes it more intriguing for like people our right. age and like in mm -hmm. our, um, I won't say generation, but in our lifetime. Right. I love Judaism. I have not always 
fully connected with it. Mm-hmm. And I last year, oh, but, so I went to the Kabbalah Center and then I didn't go forever, but I kept watching this guy's videos online. And then I saw he had a class and I took it in quarantine. Awesome. Okay. Gotcha. Nine months ago, I was in a chant, a Buddhist chanting group. I started chanting like a year ago. <laughs> Basically, uh, have you ever heard of Nam Myoho Renge Kyo? This chant? No. <laughs> okay. If you've ever seen the movie, What's Love Got to Do With It with Tina Turner? Yeah. She chants this, like it changes her life, kind of. Oh, yeah. Okay. Do you know what I'm talking about? I know about? what you're talking about. Yeah. I think it's her I don't. Or a friend of hers is like, let me show you something. And then she's like, Nam Myoho Renge Kyo. I like did not even... I mean, I haven't seen that in forever, but I don't think I realized that that was, that came from Buddhist roots or that that was like a real thing. I love that the references are like Spuds McKenzie and (laughs) And do you guys remember? I don't remember. A little over my head, but I'm learning. That's what this podcast is about. Well, I was in this chanting group and I, I also loved that. I think I love everything that makes me feel like I'm getting a better understanding and um, grasp on how to navigate my life and how to be kinder because Mm -hmm. it is so easy for us to get so wrapped up in our own crap. I do, I do quickly before we have to let you go, I want to talk about tarot because I know you are heavily into it. I just, I have, I mean, I have a lot of questions. I'll limit myself, but I want to know how how it started for you and how real do you think it is? And like, what does it inform your life or, or I just, I don't know. I need to, I need to just hear everything. It is crazy. Well, yes. What I was going to tell you about Buddhism also is that I kind of also converted to Buddhism, <laughs> but I didn't know. Casual. I was like on the stage and I got, and I was like, did I just, and then I drive it home. I'm like, this is crazy. So I have something called a Gohanzen now hanging in my apartment that I ch- chant. So I'm I'm officially a Jubu. As I think, as like I think there's a decent community of Jubus actually. Okay. I'm definitely not, in LA. I'm still Jewish for sure. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think you can be yeah. Jewish and then practice, okay. you know, other aspects and pick and choose and pull what you like from other religions. Mm-hmm. If it makes you feel good, why not? Um, or use it to enrich your Judaism. Cause I feel like that's what you're saying. Buddhism kind of brought you to want to learn more about Kabbalah. <laughs> I just, I like everything. I like to dig into everything that's mystical and just explore it and then kind of use what works for me. I I enjoy astrology, but I'm not like, oh, you're a Scorpio. That means this. Like, I I don't I don't understand the logic of it as much mm-hmm. as I um, enjoy. I think I would agree with you. Like, for me, astrology is just something fun, and it sort of adds a deeper meaning to things. But I know to an extent, it's made up, and it's not real. But isn't everything made up? Well, the thing is like your life is kind of like a work, your own painting. Like you can put whatever you want into it. Mm-hmm. And so I like to put the things that I feel like are helping me into my life and making me grow, you know? Yeah. yeah. I love but that. I can't argue with that. I but tarot. 
I love tarot so much. So I don't even remember how I, I, I just like went into a bookstore like a long time ago. This was probably like around 2007 or something. And I, I bought a tarot deck and I kind of dabbled in it, but then I got more and more into it within the past few years. And now I draw cards all the time. I mean, I'll ask a question, a yes, no question, draw a card and see if it's like a yes or no card. Uh-huh. And I love it. It's just, honestly, it's when you do tarot, it's just in the moment. This is the museum of cards that you get to use to interpret your life. Mm-hmm. Is it difficult like to learn how to like do the readings or no? <laughs> it, it weirdly takes time only because yeah. every card is a different meaning, but then the layout is like, okay, if that card's in this position, what does it mean? And then you have reversed meanings as well. So it's just like a lot of cards. <laughs> right. That's what I figured. <laughs> and, and sometimes you're like, oh, but overall, um, I mean, I think it's worth it. I, I love I love using tarot. And you can always Google meanings of things. You know what? It's not that hard. It's I'm just like super deep into it now. So I'm like... It's so complex. <laughs> it seems complex. I've only had my cards read once and it was over Zoom, not Zoom. This was Skype. This was like six years ago. And I was just like so in awe of how much knowledge this woman had about all of the cards that I don't even think I was listening to like what she was saying about me. I was just like, holy shit, this is like its own world. Yeah. I was always scared because I was worried that I would get a card that I didn't like or, you know, find out something that. I didn't want to happen. But then my friend who's really into tarot sort of educated me on it. And she's like, it's kind of what you make of it. And then it became something that's like really fun to do. And you feel like you're learning more about yourself or almost like taking control of your life. Yes. You look at a, you can look at a card and, and it, it allows you to explore parts of your mind that or see things in a new way. Yeah. yeah. You have a character who is a tarot card reader, right? I, yeah. It's, her name is Mountain Schwartz. And I used to do a show as her on Super Deluxe. She's like a very damaged, but, but really optimistic tarot reader. And I did a live streaming show as her. Um, I'm still looking for a place to put it. <laughs> hint, hint. Anyone listening? Quiet. Violence <laughs> <Bounty> show. <laughs> Tom and Fortune's show. Uh, what a joke on Netflix radio. I go on there sometimes. I'm like the resident psychic. Oh, cool. That's amazing. Is Mountain Schwartz Jewish? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I assumed because the last name is Schwartz. Yeah. But Can't assume from a last name. I just like the idea that you would call yourself Mountain and then your last name would be Schwartz. Schwartz. Incredible. Like, the last name too. <laughs> Mountain blue sky. Thanks for joining us, Lizzie. You can find her on Instagram and Twitter at Lizzie Cooperman. That's L-I-Z-Z-Y. If you're a fan of the show, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or listen for free on Spotify. Don't forget to rate and review us. Follow us on Instagram at Pray For Us Pod. If you feel like it, you can send us a note at prayforuspod at gmail.com. And hey, if you want to tell us what you prayed for, you can call us at 818-646-6815. Thanks for listening. 
this podcast has been mastered and mixed by the one and only Josh Fisher. Yay, Josh. We love you, Josh. <laughs>